This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season will bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together like-minded organizations who are focused on making disciples, and our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You're about to listen to a podcast episode from an organization called Discipleship for Women, which is led by Joanne Kraft. And this is one part of a four-episode series, and you should know about a related resource to all these, which you can download for free. It's a sample of a book called Dedicated, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. This resource helps mothers and fathers disciple their kids at home, and it's available for free at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Today's episode is called Discipling Women in Hard Places, featuring Joanne Kraft. Take a listen. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome. How about we open up in prayer while people are still scurrying in? Someday I'm going to know you well enough, and I'm going to call you out, and you will be the one praying. So just be ready for it. Next year, be ready or don't come in. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. We just thank you, Lord, for... All you're doing, Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, help us to thank you for the hard places. Father, help us to thank you for the pain. Help us, Lord, to understand that there's purpose in our pain, Father God. And I just pray that anything I have to say that's, that's not of you, Lord, that's not of your word, your words of excellence, Father, they would just stay in this room. And I pray, Father, if anything hits their target, Father, it, it hits the target with love, with grace, Father, but with truth so that these women leave armed and ready, Father God, not only for their own hard places, Lord, but to minister to the women in this sin-sick world, Lord, in their hard places. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so excited to see you ladies. A little nervous, I'll be honest. Um, It is awesome. So I asked this before, and I don't have time to do it, but I'm going to do it again real quick. Who? I know some of you have been here the whole time. Tennessee, who's here from Tennessee? Raise your hand. Or sound of applause. Applaud if you're from Alabama. Anybody here from Florida? Oh, very cool. One representative. That's awesome. New Mexico. Okay, where's your New Mexico friends? Alabama, Kentucky, California. Ooh, California. Texas? Where else? Tell me. Louisiana? New York? New Jersey? Indiana. South Carolina. North Carolina? West Virginia, Illinois, Canada, and do we have England in here again? England. Jamaica! Woo! I love that. I love that. Well, friends, welcome to a class that I hope you weren't nervous about, because I'll tell you, every time I prepare a class like this, well, let me say this. When I do Bible studies, and when I, um, even when someone else is doing a, a Bible study, The book of Job is not the one I want to go into. So you'll be happy to know we're not going there. We're going to talk about somebody else, but that's okay. Discipling women in hard places. So what gives you the right to talk into somebody else's pain? What gives you the right to talk talk into somebody else's hurt, into their suffering? I'll tell you what, what unlocks that door, and that's your own pain. And that's your own suffering. And that's your own hard place. Because people will listen to people who have been there. That's why God created so many of us. That's why each one of you are ministers of the word. Each one of you have your own ministry ground. Each one of you. And each hard place is used for that purpose. But it's hard to see that sometimes. Uh, when I, well, first to let you all know, I, I have this picture that you're probably going, what is that lady? So this, is a, this isn't me, but it is a 911 dispatcher. And that's what I did uh, for a living for a while. And um, I'll tell you something, that's a hard job. And most often you won't ever see pictures of the inside. We're not allowed to take pictures of the inside. So I took this picture on the inside. Forgive me if it's yours, I don't know. But... There's so much going on there, and um, it, it really is a training ground for running towards the hurting. And I never realized, right, God, everything, everything, every pain, every hurt in your life 
is used again, but this time with others in mind. Everyone. And I think a lot of times if we, if we get out of this and we look here, he puts you there, right? So 911 is how I got my start. It, it, it does also give me a very dark sense of humor. <laughs> so forgive me if I laugh about something. You're like, what is wrong with that lady? When I worked at, um, I've worked at two police departments. One was a very fast-paced, very stressful, cut-your-teeth-on-gang-stabbings and, and homicides, and that's how I met my darling husband over a homicide. He's the cute guy in the back, by the way. <laughs> and uh, he was the police officer that I sent. But I'll tell you, um, it does train you up. When I was there at the police department, there was a gentleman, a sergeant there, and I had to do a ride-along. And so I went to go on this ride-along as I was getting trained in the job. And I remember sitting in the front seat. Now, this is when I lived in California. That's not the Bible Belt for the Californian here. You know that. And so um, I'm in the car with the officer, and we're going around. And I'll never forget, he said to me as we're sitting there, he said, hey, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, what's your, um, where do you live, da, 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 that kind of thing. What made you get into this kind of work? And then he said, hey, um, so do you have any kids? And I said, oh, yeah. I, I said, I have four, Megan, David, Grace, and Samuel. And he said, oh, he said, those are biblical names. I'm like, oh, I can talk about Jesus here. I said, oh, I said, yeah. I said, we're, we're Christians. And his arm had been, it, the window was rolled down, and his arm was sticking out of the window. And he said, oh, you're Christians. He said, so am I. He said, welcome to my mission field. And he pointed to where he worked, right? The streets of the city that I work for. That's your mission field. Where, where are your streets? Where's your home? Where's your church? Where's your work environment? That's your hard place sometimes, right? Amen? Amen. That's your hard time. So welcome to your mission field. And sometimes those mission fields, there's some hard places. So this is my family when we're, they're all, they look real happy and cute and dress nice. Um, um, So I'll just share a little bit. So this is my daughter, Megan, and her husband, Robert. This is my son, David, and his wife, Faith. My daughter, Grace, and my son, Samuel. And a little selfish plug, every year at the Discipleship for Women table, I usually put um, somebody I'm discipling, I have them put their crafts up there. And last year, it was the girl I was discipling. This year, there's nepotism. It's my daughter-in-law, Faith, the, the bride there. So go support her. Please, because if she gets enough support, I can have a grandchild. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> anyway, these are, this is my family, and all of us have a family, whether we want to claim them or not. What's the hula hoop? My, brother, my brother-in-law loves to say this, and I love to say this. He says, like, he tells my sister, just focus on what's in your hula hoop. What's in your hula hoop? That's what you need to focus on. And that's our focus. Now, I tell you, they all look great and happy, clappy. They're really cute kids, I have to say. But they are a hard mission field. Weren't you when you were a kid? I'm going to tell you, nobody, I've never met anybody on fire for Jesus that didn't go through the fire for Jesus first. I want to say that one more time. I've never met anyone on fire for Jesus that didn't go through the fire first. So stop stealing your kids' testimonies. Broken places are broken places, but God's the redeemer and the restorer. Have hope in that. Be okay with that. And, if and I'll tell you, as a mom, don't allow the broken places to hold you back from discipleship. Stop it. Do you believe you're redeemed? Do you, I'm going to have you say yes. Do you believe you're redeemed? Yes. Do you believe you've been restored? Yes. Do you believe that you are alive in Christ? Yes. Okay, then we need to start acting like it. So if, if we don't have the perfect kids, nobody does. Don't believe any woman here. She's a liar. <laughs> if you think somebody has a perfect marriage, not true. We live in a sin-sick world. And kids, hey, guess what? You know that sin is real because I'm pretty sure you didn't teach your three-year-old to steal that cookie in the cookie jar. And then you didn't teach him to lie to you when you asked. We have a sin nature. And that sin nature, hey, guess what? God gave us the kid for you. You can't give him back, even if you want to. I want to a lot. I was just at a 
Kay Arthur event, and I'll tell you, it was very encouraging to me. Isn't it sad that pain is encouraging? But somebody else's pain is encouraging when they share it, when they're transparent. And she had said that her, one of the, her relationships with one of her kids is broken. It's been broken for 30 years. That's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Where you need to ask forgiveness, ask forgiveness. Where you need to repent, repent. But then sometimes, guys, they, they just don't come back for a while. Be okay with that. I shared a story yesterday um, at a conference I was at, and I, and I just feel I need to share it with the whole room of ladies. And basically, I was at a Home Depot, and I was going through the checkout, and there was a gentleman. He was the clerk at the checkout, and I said, um, or, and I said, hey, I like your necklace. He had a cross necklace on. And he said, oh, he said, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And I said, oh, I said, me too. And he said, do you know who I'm going to run to the first second I get to heaven? And I thought, that is so easy, Jesus. And he said, no. He said, I'm running run to my mom because she never got to see this. Yeah. So be faithful. Trust. Trust him. He, he said it. He will do it. I, I will say this, and there, this may not be the right theology, so they can cut this out of the tape. You know, this might be one of the things you have to forget. But I just believe, trust the Lord with all your heart. And what? Lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean on your understanding. Sometimes you have to trust that it's going to happen. Okay, Lord, your will be done. Help me be okay with whatever that is. So, parent, oh, one other thing. I'm sorry, i got to say this. Mom guilt. Guilt is meant for sin. If you've done something sinful, repent. If you've done something sinful, and ask the Lord, is, is it sinful? And sometimes us moms can be hard-headed. Friends can be hard-headed. We can be hard-headed as a friend. Maybe you're not a mom. But if you're feeling guilt, then ask forgiveness. But, but otherwise, feelings are a gauge. They're not a guide. I know this because of menopause. <laughs> so how do I help someone in a hard place? That's the question. For my English friends here, let's see if this starts. Okay, it's not going to go. Perfect. All right. Yes, thank you, Jesus. So we thank you. I said I'm doing awesome. So yes, thank you. Okay. So what does he say? Charlie bit my finger, right? Thank you. But what happens in this video is that basically what happens is Char is he gets bit by his little brother, but then. He, he says, Charlie, but then he puts his own finger in his brother's mouth. And then he starts bawling. He says, and then he gets, it's a lot of pain. So look up the video. That's all I'm going to tell you. There's two types of pain besides having the, the video not work. Um, there is unexpected pain. Unexpected pain is the loss of a child. Unexpected pain might be somebody dies of cancer. Unexpected pain, you lost a job. Financial problems, marriage. You didn't, you know, I was talking to a lady recently, and her husband came home and on Christmas Day said, we're done. 28 years of marriage. Who does that? Not, not a very nice man, I'll say, who does that? That's sad. That's heartbreaking. Unexpected pain you have no control over. You have no control over. So I have to share a couple uh, stories in my life that explain this very well. Uh, uh, when Paul and I got married, um, I was—I uh, had two children already from a previous marriage. It was a very hard time. I had been a single mom for a little bit, and just coming to faith in Christ around those years. And uh, there wasn't a commandment that I didn't break. I will tell you that. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be very transparent, and you can let your mind go. And hopefully we connect on some level there. But it was a very, very hard time. And... When Paul and I got married, it was like the beginning because that's when we came to faith in Christ. And he was starting to make all things new. And that's so true. Revelation 21.5. He makes all things new. So we get pregnant. And I've shared this story, but I'm going to share it again. You all are going to hear this. And it was my 30th birthday. And I decided, you know what? I'm in my second trimester. We have to have a sonogram. So how about we... um, how about we plan it for my birthday? It's my 30th birthday. Let's do this. That's so awesome. Okay. 
we go to have the sonogram. Well, there's no heartbeat. And my husband is trying to tell me that everything's okay. As the doctor says, you need to go to the main hospital, to the radiologist, because, you know, our machine's not working well. Well, this wasn't my first rodeo. This was baby number three. And I knew something was wrong. And so I called my girlfriend, and uh, she watched the kids a little longer for me. We go to the hospital, and when they check, they see that, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. And then they left. And I'm there. I'm just still there. I'm, I'm in maternity clothes. I'm big, you know. And, and, and a little aside, the, the girl that I dispatched with, she also was pregnant just as far along as me. We worked the same shift. That's hard. That's a hard place. And, and whatever hard place you're in, I don't care what it is. Everybody is getting amazing things, bountiful blessings, but you're in that hard place. I don't know if we can all go back to high school for a hot minute, but I didn't have a boyfriend for a while. Everybody had a boyfriend. When you don't have a child, everybody has a kid, right? When you're not married, everybody's married. When your husband isn't saved, everybody's husband's a pastor. (laughs) So true. So they leave the room, and my husband... He's an amazing guy. He is black and white. His, his way to encourage is by telling me how to do it better next time. <laughs> awesome. Um, but he said, hey, he said, are you up for company in about 45 minutes? And I said, I'm crying. And I said, I'm thinking, what? No, am I up for company in 45 minutes? No. He said, there's a problem. Now, guys, this is back before cell phones. There was no rallying the troops on a text. This is in the 90s. And he said, well, there's a problem with that. He goes, you see, um, I had set up a surprise party for you at the house. And he said, and everybody's going to be there. Hmm, that's a hard place to walk in with everybody there. But God is using this story for good. And I'm going to, I can't wait to tell you, you. Don't leave. Don't you even use the bathroom because I I can't wait till you see. (laughs) It was a very hard time. Um, We can all do this. And and I don't want to play pain poker with you at all. I was was speaking at a conference in, in, I think it was Michigan. And and I just thought, usually I talk about how my husband and I met over a homicide. And for some reason, this one time I didn't. Thank goodness. I think it's like the only time I didn't. There were two people in the audience who had lost someone to a homicide. Oh, Lord, I pray if you, please, that would wreck me today. So it just really was hard. There's no playing poker with pain. Everybody's pain is their pain. Cancer, that's a pain. My mom died of cancer when she, she got cancer when she was my age. My dad said to me about six months ago, he calls me Joey. Hey, Joey. And I I said, hey, Dad. He goes, you know, you're about the same age your mama was when she got cancer. I'm like, another encourager in my life. (laughs) How did I get so lucky? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But I mean, you know, there are hard things in all of our lives. Okay. Oh. Well, we need to get get my husband some angel person. Thank you. So let's talk about self-inflicted pain. Self-inflicted pain is sin. Sin. Sin separates Sin breaks apart. Sin hurts. Sin wounds. Sin scars. Even when God's restored, we still have those little soft places, right, where we know. And self-inflicted pain looks like any kind of sin you can think of. The sin that we all walk in the room with. The sin that, I mean, that's why confession is so important on a regular basis. We need to, we need to be confessing, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, God, and mean it. In prayer, right? Mean it when you confess. Lord God. And he's righteous and faithful to forgive us of our sins. Even if you don't feel like it, we have to trust. So self-inflicted pain, adultery, uh, being selfish, your mouth is terrible. Our tongues, what does the Bible say in James? They're like fire, right? We can slice and dice with our tongues. And you ladies, I know because I am, some of you are masters. We're masters of the mouth and not in a good way. Um adultery, abortion. That's heartbreaking. 
I, I name these sins because they're mine. That's a hard place. That's a hard place to be in. But I'll tell you, I know I'm redeemed, and I know I've been restored. And the pain is really becoming more joy, as weird as that sounds, because I can share it with you and hopefully free you from being held back. Discipleship is not, you don't, stop forgetting the last place you were. Move forward. Discipleship means moving forward. It means pulling other people, like Kathy said earlier, the monkey thing, right? Reach up, pull up. And I will say just on top of that, if there's somebody um, that you don't have to mentor you or disciple you, pray for her. Say, Lord, bring her into view. That happened to me when I lived in California, and God brought me Melba. Is anyone in the world named Melba? <laughs> I don't know any other Melbas. But the, oh, thank you very much. But the Lord, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, let me go back. Oh, thank you, dear. Okay, Lord brought me Melba. She's amazing. The thing is about our pain, it doesn't matter what it is. We can't look at somebody else's pain with the judgment of, okay, well, I'm not going to help you because of it, right? So I love this quote by J.C. Ryle. It says, we can heal their broken bodies and restore their fallen hearts if only we would stop judging them for how they fell apart in the first place. Isn't that good? Now, don't take a broad brush. There are sometimes you got to judge and go, dude, stop it. That's, don't take it to the extreme, but the truth is, don't walk away from somebody who's hurting, or, or they're, and they're hurting. I don't ever see Jesus doing that with anybody. Anybody. Never. Ever. Never. And if anything, if you don't have the time to help or minister, point them to somebody who can. That's help. That's help. We can heal their broken bodies and restore their fallen hearts if only we would stop judging them for how they fell apart in the first place. Begin with prayer. No brainer, but but guess what? We need to be refreshed and renewed. We need to be reminded. Be in prayer. Um, Tomorrow, you're going to be in Michelle Eagle's class, I hope, because she's awesome, and she's going to talk to you about that. She does prayer and fasting way better than I do. I'm like, Lord, can I just give up sugar in my coffee? Is that enough, Lord, to fast? I'm really struggling, Lord, with the sugar out of my coffee. (laughs) But she really, I mean, she, you got to come hear her. So begin with prayer. What is is that scripture? The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means woman too, a righteous woman. And you never know what's going to happen just be praying. Um, before the conference, I, I was at an appointment, and there was a gal I know in our small group at church, and I had not talked to her in days, in days. But the Lord just, and, and I, I say that, the Lord put her on my heart, and I was praying for her. And I thought, okay, don't just, pray. actually reach out, take your phone out of your purse, text her and say, hey, you know what, I mean this, that I'm praying for you. And I said, hey, I'm praying for you. And she said, you have no idea your timing. Because her, her dad had been sick. And she said, they just wheeled my dad out of the house to the funeral home. That's the Lord. So how many opportunities are we missing? How many opportunities? So here's what I tell my girlfriends. So I'm going to warn you, if you ever say you're praying for me, you're going to hear me say this. When my friends say, hey, I'm praying for you, I say, well, you better hope that I don't get to heaven first because I'm going to ask God to show me those prayers. <laughs> I mean that. So my girlfriend, Celia, my BFF in California, she's like, you have stressed me out so bad. She goes, I so pray when I say I'm praying for you. So begin with prayer. And then point her to God's word, for the word of God is living and active Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. God's word. It is alive and active. Boy, it's amazing. I'm going to give you a few scriptures. I'm going to read them to you, and you can write them down. But I think we just need to hear a few of these about pain so and suffering and hurt and hard places. Because when hard places happen, we cry out. Right? And I don't know if you have rebellious kids or if somebody doesn't know the Lord, but Psalm 107 is a great place to camp for that because it basically says, Lord, let them cry out. 
in their rebellion, let them cry out. If you're going through a divorce or custody issues, which I did for seven years, Psalm 37 is fantastic. Psalm 37, write that down. Pray it back to the Lord. Highlight, highlight the words. Go, okay, Lord, I'm praying this back to you, Father. This is your word. It's alive and active. And just get the word into you. Get it into you. Read it. Read it. Read it. Read it. And there's no excuse. We can now listen to it. There's audio apps. We are without excuse. (laughs) Right? We are without excuse. So when hard places make you cry out, or maybe just make you cry, Psalm 34, 17, and 18. And I'll read it to you, and you can just go back to these because there's no way, unless you're a court transcriptionist, you're not doing this. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Keyword there is all. All their troubles. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 17, and 18. How about this one? Psalm 56, 8. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. God doesn't sleep or slumber. He sees you at night. He knows what's hurting you. Psalm 56, 8, that's what that was. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what does God go on to say there? That what that your burden, my burden is light, your burden is heavy. We're sheep. We're not meant to be burden bearers. We're not meant to be pack mules. How about Isaiah 43, 2? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you, Isaiah 43, 2. How about this one, Psalm 107, 28 and 29? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still, so the waves of the sea were hushed. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And when you have somebody who's hurting in the word, here's the thing. Sometimes it's not okay to give them the scripture. Hello, I don't want to have the scripture when, when my husband just died. Or my child, I just found out she, you know, she has cancer. Pray the scriptures over them. And then when it's time, and God will make it clear, and it may be a while, then you can put it in a card. Or you can write your prayers about them in a journal. And then maybe later put those scriptures in there as you're praying them over them and give it as a gift. That's incredibly helpful. Incredibly. But God gives us hope in the hurting. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This one's a very special verse because um, our church recently lost um, our te- one of our teaching pastors, and that's been incredibly hard for our body. And this is the same body of people who have put on this conference for you. And I'll tell you, we've been through a lot together, and uh, so make sure you thank these people, the volunteers that you see, because it would really just be so encouraging to them. But our pastor passed away from cancer at the age of 40, just under 40, actually, and about, um, about a year ago, he'd been battling colon cancer. But, he's, I mean, for all of us, we thought he was great. He taught up to oh, two weeks before he passed away. And so when he was sick, about a year before, the Lord just kept putting his wife on my heart. And, and Joni is the, the quintessential Southern lady, quintessential Southern lady. And she was his backbone and his support, but she was never one to be out in the limelight. You know, everybody that she met was because Josh brought her to them kind of thing. Well, about a year before um, he passed, I said, the Lord put her on my heart. And I thought, well, Lord, what am I going to teach her? I mean, I thought, but I just thought, okay, I'm going to be faithful. I can't stop thinking about her. So I invited her to coffee and we went and I said, hey, I said, I really would love to disciple you. I think it's something the Lord, unless it was too much pepperoni pizza last night. Um, But, you know, I'll pray about it. And she cried, and she said, I have been praying about it. And I'll tell you, we didn't know her husband would die four months later. So I've been walking with her through hard places. And um, I'll tell you something, it's no joke. 
And for those of you who actually saw the Discipleship for Women table, she was there this morning. I'll tell you something. To serve in a hard place, that's incredible. She's a mom of three littles. Three little girls. And yet she still came here and served. See, that's what discipleship does. It gets your eyes off of you and puts your eyes on others. It's coming alongside somebody when they're hurting, and it's saying, you can do it. You can do it. So hope in the hurting. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, all our troubles. That's, that's all our troubles again. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's the purpose in our pain. I'll tell you, if you get that one in your Bible, write down purpose. 2 Corinthians 1.3, that is it. Philippians 4.6, all of us women, we worry by nature. I don't know why. I, I, was Eve worried? Is there any, any, I don't know. I don't see it in the scriptures. I have to go back and double check. But I mean, we are women. And so it's just part of our uh, sin nature <laughs> to worry. Um, but God says this, don't worry about anything, Philippians 4.6. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Here's one, Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I only have a couple more. Psalm 27, 13 and 14. I remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. That's the hard part, right? Being in that waiting room. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So how does God handle our hard places? That's how he does it with his word. And I'll tell you something, ladies. It's it. There's nothing that's going to, I'll tell you, I could say, I could tell you a bunch of funny jokes, but the truth is, only his truth sticks. If I see you six months from now and you happen to remember this class, you're going to remember his word. You're going to remember something that you took home with you in your pocket, you went home and you prayed or you cried or you poured into somebody else. That's what you're going to remember because it's living and active. And that's how it's supposed to be. So... For whatever was written, I love this scripture. Thank you, Jess. I love you with all my heart. Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Everything was written, right? For our instruction. What did Jesus say? That I, not one jot or tittle, right? Everything. He didn't come to get rid of it. He came to fulfill the whole law. So what can we, what you can go next one, Jess, go ahead. Okay, and here's the third one, ministry of presence. I love this quote here by Sharon Janes. God does not want us to simply forget the pain of the past. He wants us to be fruitful in the land of our suffering. Use it for good, minister to others, plant seeds of hope. I love that. So what's the ministry of presence? It means just being there. It means being there and not talking. Now that I have older kids and married kids, I'm learning I have to talk less. That's really hard. If I wrote a book on adult kids, I would say, how to shut my mouth. And the tears I shed when I do. Tears you shed when you bite your tongue. Maybe that's a good one. I don't know. <laughs> but you have a ministry, ladies. You have a ministry of presence. You see Jesus, what does he do? He comes alongside people. Don't close your doors. Don't shut the car door. Talk to somebody. Go in church. Don't rush out as fast as you can. Don't count how few people you can shake hands with. I happen to know some people like that. I might be married to one of them. <laughs> but seriously, ministry of presence is everything. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. No, ain't that true? Nobody cares. Okay, Jess, next. So we're going to talk about somebody. Where, and I told you, Job was where, it, that was just too easy to go to Job. So I thought, you know what? This is discipleship for women. We're going to talk about a woman of the Bible. And we're going to talk about Ruth and Naomi, but especially Naomi. Because I think Naomi gets a bad rap. I really do, because I think we all, if we know the story of Ruth, the one thing, I guess maybe two things we know. One of them is that Naomi said, call me bitter, call me Mara. And the other thing was that, that Ruth said, hey, wherever you go, I'll go. 
your people be my people, your God will be my God. So I'm going to read a portion of scripture just to refresh your memory, and then we're going to talk about it and just the points that I love. So Ruth, if you want to go back to this later, it's Ruth chapter 1, 6 through 22. And this is after they've already said that, the, that her sons are, have died, her husband has died. She's incredibly broken, Naomi is. And she has her daughter, daughter-in-laws with her. And just remember one other thing, that she was dwelling in the country of Moab. And that she had left Israel to Moab. Basically, that's the example of leaving for sin. She had left Israel for Moab. And then all this happened to her. And starting in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. And they, and, but Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you from me. Sorry, on to the next. But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So I wanted to point out something. I think, I think we do pay a lot of attention to Ruth in the Bible because, hey, it's the Bible. Ruth. It's the book of Ruth. But I think Naomi kind of gets a bad rap. And I want to point out a few things about each of them. But as a disciple maker, I think sometimes our pain holds us back from discipling. And that's... that's let me explain to you. So one of the things that we see here, Naomi does love the Lord through her pain. She loves the Lord through her pain. It's important to know that, I mean, she doesn't say curse God and die. And she still talks to the Lord, that the Lord, look at, this is what's happening. I'll tell you, um, it's clear she loves the Lord through her pain, but bitterness is sadly the fruit of her pain. We don't want bitterness to be the fruit of our pain. We want godly fruit. We want God-honoring fruit. And God-honoring fruit is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all that. So that's the kind of fruit we want. That's the kind of fruit we want to encourage other women to have. So bitterness is not the fruit that we want because that's what she was spouting out. See, she only sees, she only sees the trombones. She doesn't see the whole parade. And only God has that aerial view of your pain. Only God does. The other thing is that shows me kind of Naomi's character is Naomi puts her daughter-in-law's needs before hers. There is an act of discipleship that says, I'm going to get out of me, and I'm going to make it a we. I'm going to get out of me, and and we so fall into this as Christian believers, right? As Christians, oh, wow, the teaching didn't feed me today. It really, oh, that wasn't good. I didn't get a lot. Well, okay, if God's word is open, then we should be getting something. I tell my kids, there was a quote I learned a long time ago, and it said, basically, if you leave with nothing, you came in too full of yourself. (laughs) Spanking. (laughs) 
That's that mouth of ministry. Ministry of the mouth. If you leave with nothing, you came in too full of yourself. So Naomi loves her. I mean, she loves the girls. And, and she's encouraging them to go because guess what? This is a death sentence. Widows had no way of making a living. There was nothing for her. She knew this was suicide. And yet there was a daughter who clung to her, a daughter-in-law, a daughter-in-love. If, you're, if you don't have a daughter-in-law or you're on the cusp of that or you may one day, start praying for her. Start praying for your future son-in-laws. I can't say that I did it every day. I can't say that I did it every month, but I did it every year. And um, I'll tell you something. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. You can tell by the stuff out. That's my other pitch. Oh, that's my little plug. The other stuff out, you're going to buy out there, the tea towels. Um, so, I mean, she, she was loved by her daughters and daughter-in-laws. The thing I love, and let's talk about the bitterness for a second. While bitterness is not what we want to be spewing, that is, that is a repellent to God's work. Her bitterness, though, is transparent. And as a disciple maker, we do need to be transparent. Because a lot of times those women we're discipling, guess what? They start discipling us. They start encouraging us. You want to have your own cheering section, your own rooting section? Disciple women. Disciple your, your family. Disciple somebody. I'm telling you, they will, they will love you and be transparent. And what, what Naomi, I'll tell, well, okay. The other thing is, Naomi leads Ruth with wise advice. Minus the bitterness. Let's look at the other stuff here. She does say, hey, you don't want to go with me. She's trying to say, hey, you need a husband. Wow, to love your daughter-in-law like that? To say, hey, I want to see you happy. I want to see you happy. There was something in Naomi that Ruth saw. There was some kind of discipleship that Naomi did with those girls that made it very difficult for them to leave. Ruth saw that in Naomi, in her hard place. Even in her hard place, she didn't want to leave. And I'll be honest, some people that are bitter, I I can't sprint fast enough to the door. It's like, oh, Lord, I hope they don't start talking. Oh, they're talking about that again. Oh, my Lord. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, okay. That shouldn't be our identity. Our pain should never be our identity. I mean, you need to write this down. Pain should not be your identity. Pain is a tool. Pain is not your identity. Pain is a tool. Pain is sanctification. And the one thing that I love, even Naomi even in her missteps of discipling and not doing it perfectly, guess what? Ruth was saved. Let my God be your God. Let my God be your God. I want what you have. Everybody can disciple women. Everybody can disciple women. And then, and then here's the double portion of blessing. We know later, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, if you have never read the book of Ruth or went through the whole Bible, she becomes the great-grandmother of King David. Come on! I want grandkids. I'm watching my granddog this weekend. That's my grandkids. But she became the great-grandmother of King David. We don't know what's ahead, guys. That's why the Lord says rejoice. Joy. You don't know the ending. You're not God. He's God. Let him be God. Trust him. Trust him, and, and especially in those broken relationships. And again, I, I kind of camp on kids because that was how my ministry began was parenting books for, you know, parenting books. And so I really camp on the parenting situation only because I know what kind of holds us back. And if you're being held back by broken relationships with kids, there's a lot of other people who need, who need ministering to. You don't need to be a mom to minister. You don't need to be married I just feel I kind of need to keep saying that. You don't, need to be the, you don't need to be a pastor's wife. So, be transparent because they make the perfect disciple makers. Charles Spurgeon said, I am certain that I never did grow in grace one half so much anywhere as I have upon the bed of pain. Isn't that true? Next. It's okay. 
So here's two more scriptures for time. I'm just going to tell you the addresses. Psalm 34, 19. Oh, I think we did this one. And 1 Peter 1, 6. We didn't do that one. 1 Peter 1, 6. That could be a whole week of classes. So my mom had cancer, and I, she, I, was in, I was in my early 30s when she got cancer. But when I talk about having joy in the pain, my mom, my mom, bless her, she was in the last stages. She couldn't move anymore, and, and if she knew I was showing this picture, she wouldn't be very happy. But, um, <laughs> but no, she'd be okay. Um, one day we came, and me and my sisters were there, and the oldest of four, and my mom was there, and she couldn't move. And after tears and tears, and those of you know, we've all lost somebody, I'm sure. And um, I, just, I just got, I looked at my mom, and I thought, hmm. I said, you know what, Mom? I said, I'm going to toilet paper you. <laughs> and she said, Joanne? And I said, no, I'm going to toilet paper you, and there is nothing you can do about it. So... I basically, oh, you got it? Oh, okay. Now is it okay? Oh, is it? Okay. There we go. Yeah, it, it's, it has its own mind. Oh, here. Hold on. Un momento. One second here. I need to get my, oh, okay. There we go. Got it? Okay, I did that. Wait, Jess, hold on. Me. Okay, leave it for one second. Let's see if I can do it. Okay, so my, mom, so my sister and I ended up toilet papering my mom. It was a very sweet moment. My sister made a bouquet for her, and I put a hat on her head. We were laughing so hard we were crying. We were crying. So I have one other story to share. Hold on, don't touch anything. I'm scared. So about, um, I, t- I told you about the story about the child that we lost. Um, so when my oldest was getting married... This was about three years ago. Um, she said to me, hey, mom. She said, I really like this guy. You know, he could be the one. I'm like, okay, long dinner time conversation. Bring him over. And just because he brought me flowers did not mean I was going to like him. But he, he came, and he ended up definitely being the one. And I'll tell you, only later did I tell her how amazing it was because of his name. Because when our child and our baby died, the one I had told you about, we named him. It was a boy, and we named him. And um, I just remember going to the funeral home, um, and they wouldn't let me see him because it was just not a good thing. It, it, you know. And anyway, it was very hard for me. It was very hard for me, as you can imagine. And I just remember going to the door, and, and the guy was locking up, and he looked like he looked like the angel from It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence. <laughs> and I went up to him, and I just said, "Can I? Are you sure I can't see him?" And he said, "No, honey, you do not want to see him, honey." And oh, just it was really the the time of my life where depression just reigned. And some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. Um, so when Megan got married, 20 years later, right? When Megan got married, she married Robert. Well, we had named our son Robert. Now, before you think, before you use some soundbite, I do not believe in reincarnation. (laughs) I do not believe in reincarnation. But I do believe that I love a God who loves me. And I do believe that that God allows me to speak his name every Christmas Every time he's over, and by the way, he doesn't go by Bob. He doesn't go by Bobby. He goes by Robert. I mean, who goes by Robert? (laughs) That's how much God loves you. Don't give up. Don't give up in the pain. Don't give up in the hard places. Rejoice, because you do not know what God's up to. Rejoice, because you have a God of all things, a God who takes you out of all troubles, everything. Start acting like it. And guess what, ladies? Start bringing other women along for the ride. I want to read you a little something before we finish here. And I read that, I got that. Okay, so devotion time for me. Can you tell Miss Classy? I'm not the organized one. That would be my husband. But I've had some of my devotion books 
forever and I love them and they're all marked up and all. But I want to read you a little portion and I pray it blesses you. And it says, which are the people who have influenced us most? Not the ones who thought they did, but those who had not the remotest notion that they were influencing us. Not, not, not the ones who thought they did, but the ones in the Christian life, the implicit is never conscious. If it is conscious, it ceases to have this unaffected loveliness, which is the characteristic of the touch of Jesus. This is the part right here. We always know when Jesus is at work because he produces in the commonplace something that is inspiring. Now, what if you were intentional with your pain? Can you imagine the lives you could touch? What if you turned it around, didn't let it fester, didn't let it stew? What if you said, Lord, this pain's yours because you suffered? We're in a sin-sick world. We're going to suffer. And maybe it's nothing you ever did. Maybe it is something you did. Do the work. Ask forgiveness. Then leave it at the cross because he already died for it. Already. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for each precious heart here, Lord God. I pray every single woman knows she is loved, knows that she is a treasure. I pray, Father God, that you would just turn their pain and their hard places, whether they are fresh or whether they're old scars, Father God. I pray they wouldn't be afraid to be transparent because they know who they are in you. They're not defined by their past, Lord God. You're the father of future. You're the father of the next step. You're the father of do-overs, Lord God. So I pray that each heart here would take their pain, give it back to you, Lord God, or help the person who's coming up right behind them. Father, make disciple makers of every woman in this room. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, ladies. That's it for today's episode. Check out a few sample chapters from the book Dedicated, which we mentioned at the top of this show. It's for parents who want to train their children to trust and follow Jesus. Go to discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for the green cover and the title dedicated. Thanks for listening. Until next time.